0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com.
1: Hey, I don't, if you're on the DR uh, email chain list, I sent you out an email this week asking you to bring an object from home that represents your father. That could be something that uh, represented a really good relationship with your dad if that's not your story and actually your relationship with your dad was or is a painful one, um, I invited you to bring that, something that represents. If you have that here, like, I almost forgot mine this morning, right? So if you got the email and then we're like, oh shoot. Uh, that's okay. We most of us now have iPhones. You can Google a picture of an object that represents your dad and relationship with him, right? Otherwise, I will also have uh, little note cards and pens. If you're an artist or uh, want to do some Pictionary, um, you want to draw an object, uh, something that represents you and your relationship with your dad, that, that'll be a thing too. Here's the hope. As we get in this morning, and this is what, this is what I want from you, I don't want to just like, talk about the love of God at you. I want to talk about who we are and how we come to God as Father. It's really important, I think, for us to recognize our relationship with our dads here on Earth impacts the way we connect with God as Father. For some of us, that's really good. For some of us, our dad uh, was is a really loving father and like modeled things for us, and our idea of uh, like coming to God as Father, like we don't have a problem with that. That's fairly easy, right? For for others of us. That's not our story, right? That may not be your story. You, um, lots of people have broken relationships with their dads or painful relationships with their dads. And then, then the idea of addressing God as Father or coming to God as Father or, like, the Father's love for you, it's like, I don't know really what to do with that, right? And so bringing this object as a talk point, I want to turn this on you, and I'd actually like to open this up to conversations with people who are next to you this morning and here's what I want to say this is what we mean when we say we want to share life together that we want to create an environment in relationships where it's safe to be you it's safe to say things as you've experienced them to offer your perspective whether that's really good and joyful and delightful or really challenging and hard and broken Okay? So, and you might wonder, am I safe to do that? Will people look at me differently when I do that? Will they, will they judge me? Or, you know, like, I, I don't know that I feel safe. And what I wanna ask from you is that you be open maybe to taking a risk this morning and sharing stuff. Maybe you're comfortable sharing this. Maybe this takes a, a little bit more of a nudge to be able to trust others with that. So, what I want is, I wanna invite you to trust others but I also want to invite you to be trustworthy with others. You know what I mean? If somebody shares something that's hard, you don't have to fix it, but you need to hear them and listen to them. If somebody shares something that's really good, you don't need to downplay that. You can celebrate with them. The Bible says we want to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we want to mourn with those who mourn. And we've got different uh, levels of all of that going on in a room this size. So I want to get things started. I'm just going to share my object. It's funny. Uh, my dad's here this morning. So I'm going to talk about my relationship with my dad um, with him in the room. And so we had kind of a preparatory, quick conversation about this. Um, so I'm going to share me, and then I'm going to set you loose. And I'd like for you to gather in smaller groups. And we're just going to, uh, for a few minutes, share one another. The, the object that I brought from home is actually a fishing lure. This fishing lure has caught a ton of fish on it. Okay? So three different reasons why I think this represents my dad and my relationship with him. One, it just represents a ton of time that we spent together. Um, and time that he focused on me and what I liked. Um, confession is that my dad wasn't really into fishing at the beginning. Right? That wasn't his thing. He found out it was my thing. Like I could literally sit in a rowboat all day without catching a fish and be like happy being right there. For some of you that's like that would drive me crazy. right And my dad was like, this is what he wants to do. When we go camping, we're renting a rowboat, we're gonna go fishing. right And I loved it. We didn't know what we were doing. We put worms on hooks and we kept uh, caught panfish or we could tro- go trolling once in a while. and it was just all, all of the hours spent with my dad pouring into me and stuff that I really enjoyed doing. Uh, sports was a thing for me. Um, he encouraged me in football and uh, soccer and all kinds of things. We'd go to the playground, and we'd play two on zero. So we always won, right? And he's all-time quarterback, and I'm an all-time receiver, and we play four downs to the end zone. And it was just fun to run routes and, like, have that kind of thing uh, with my dad, who was just continually there for me. Uh, he encouraged me to be a, a person who didn't just get wrapped up in macho behavior and like a one-dimensional guy, but to be well-rounded and have an appreciation for music and literature and all, all kinds of things. Well, my dad showed me a lot. We spent a ton of time together. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, Jesus has this line uh, where he, he's welcoming some fishermen. He's uh, calling to fishermen. He's like, you're fishermen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you into people who fish for people, right? Fishers of men. And I'm going to take what you know, and I'm going to change it so that you're actually going out and catching people. And what Jesus is doing, he's he's inviting them into an apprentice relationship. Come follow me. See how I live. See how I do things. You'll become more like me. So that's number two for me, is I feel like my dad was a guy that I grew up wanting to imitate. And he showed me lots of things. He taught me lots of things. Both gave me information and then gave me somebody to imitate said, follow me, right? And I'll show you how to walk through this life. And he pointed me to Jesus. Um, And I love that. The third is, fishing hooks have pokey parts, right? They got hooks. They have barbs. And my dad has some barbs. My dad has some pokey stuff. I learned at an early age, uh, there were times when my dad got angry, very rarely with me, uh, or like at us, directed at us, but like my dad had a rage factor. Like, if we went camping and the camper wasn't going upright, he'd, he'd kind of go off. Um, and we knew mom would take us on a walk at that point. We'd go, <laughs> we'd go hike the nature trail and come back and then say, Dad, it's okay, I'll get it. Right? Um, his anger is something that uh, I learned. I learned how to be a peacemaker as a response to anger right, uh, and watching that and not wanting that in me. I also, I had a different kind of anger form in me. So my, my kind of anger isn't really a rage anger. Mine is more of a compressed uh, seething. Uh, bitterness has got in. And I think some of that is from my dad. Um, so lots and lots and lots of good, lots and good. But there's also some pain there, right? And we're working that out um, and walking through that. That's me and my relationship. I'm super grateful. I recognize that most people don't have stories with their dads um, near as healthy as I have growing up. And I'm, I'm just I'm really, really thankful. Um, now, now I want to give you the opportunity. In the next few minutes, I want you to turn. Um, and it doesn't have to be that in-depth. I, of course, had way more time to prepare than you guys. Um, so what is an object that represents your dad in 60 seconds? What could you tell the people around you um, about your dad, about relationship with him? I also want to give you um, an invitation to get up and move to a different place than you're sitting. If who you're sitting with just super comfortable and they may know all of this stuff, maybe you'd choose to branch out and go to somebody that you don't know as well. Um, that's up to you. But I, I do want you to, at least at the start of this exercise, Everybody stand up. That's good. Now, uh, take about two minutes. If you brought an object, think about that object for a little bit. If you don't have an object, um, pull out your phone and Google something that represents your dad. If you don't um, have those options or don't prefer those options, there's paper and pens up here. You can come up and grab one. Uh, Take the next two minutes just to think about what you could share. And then I'll say, "Go, and you can start those conversations uh, with the people around you. So last week, we started this series that we're calling "Listening to the Father." And the whole idea about it, the heart of this series is we want, we want to, as people, know how to recognize, know how to recognize the father's voice in our life. right? I don't, I don't want to simply go through the motions doing the right things or the right Christian things. I, I, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to have a relationship where I can recognize God's voice in my life I, that points me to Jesus as a representation of the Father. The Bible calls Jesus like the exact representation of the Father. So if you want to, if you want to see what God is like, you look at Jesus, right? And i I want to learn to recognize that voice. And to do that, I need to, I need to know where I'm coming from. Like, it's helpful to see where life has brought me thus far. Like, where did I start? What have I been shown? What have I been given? What, what, what paths have I walked? And I need to know myself a little bit. And then I want to start to know the character of God. What is God like? What's, what's actually God's heart like? And once I recognize God's heart and his character, his uh, father nature to me, that's loving and to you, then I can start to take a look at like, specific ways that he fathers us. If you weren't here last week, um, I would highly, highly recommend that you go back and listen to Michael's sermon. He just did a fantastic job at setting, setting the foundation for this series um, in where we're coming from and uh, kind of all of the distractions that get in the way of us actually listening to God and being able to put some things away so that we could hear God's voice in our life and Him coming for us, coming for us. And some of us want God as Father, but we don't uh, want His parenting of us. And that may not make sense right away. Like, I love to see God's love for me, but then when God actually starts to lead me, then I, then I get a little bit cautious. And the, the, the fix of that isn't just to try harder or to say, oh, I must be really messing up as a kid. I should obey my dad. The, the trick in that is to actually go back and look more at the character of God, look more at the heart of the Father. Because when we recognize that the heart of the Father is good, then obedience comes easily, right? Not, not always without work, not always without intention or, like, effort, But it's a joy. It's not a begrudging obedience. Like, oh, oh, yes, that's going to be hard. But I want to do that. I want to follow you, God. I want to obey you. I want to listen to you because I know you're good. Because I know that your love never fails. So you just had conversations about your dads. And what I want to say right at the beginning is whatever your dad's story, like I want you to feel honored in this place. I want you to feel recognized. I want you to feel seen. I want you to feel heard, and I want you to feel safe. Our dads do shape the way we look at God as father. We can't really get away from that. That doesn't have to become our identity, and it doesn't have to become a trap that we're just always stuck in. But if we take, uh, if we take the time to recognize ways that our dads have shaped us, for good or for ill, that can help us in the way that we relate with God. So as I was thinking about this morning, two different passages um, sort of came to mind. Both deal with the nature of God. Both deal with the heart of God and the way that he uh, parents us and the way he relates with us. And they come from two very, very different uh, perspectives. One addresses people whose story is abandonment. And the other reveals God's heart that goes way beyond even the best of parents. right? So maybe neither of those are your experience this morning, but what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to enter into these passages with a certain level of, of imagination. Maybe you relate wholeheartedly with one or two of these passages, right? Maybe your story with dad is a real painful one, and you could identify... With something like the first passage that we're gonna read out of Ezekiel. Maybe you have a you have or had a thriving relationship with your dad, like you couldn't be more grateful. And there's a sense of how much more does your father God love you? So one one passage that I want to set up is even though even though your dad didn't love you the way you needed, your father God does. And the other is, if your father loved you so well, how much more does God, as Father, love you? Okay. So I want to I want to read these. These are God. Uh, these are God relating with people. The first one is directly relating with the story of Israel as God's people and how He found them and how He brought them in. Um, but I think there's stuff for us here this morning. Ezekiel sixteen. Verses 4 through 12 in the NIV, talking to people with a very painful, broken past. God says, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. For on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breast had formed and your hair had grown, and yet you were stark naked. And later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body, and I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord. You became mine. I bathed you with water and washed you with the blood from you and put ointments on you and I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck and I put ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. God is relating to people who have felt discarded, felt abandoned, felt like Like, they were not cared for. And maybe that's your story. Maybe that's where you're coming from when you start to look at uh, at Dad. And what what I love about this passage is that we hear from God and we see in God is that God sees you. Even in your worst, even in your messiest, even in your most abandoned, most painful, most grieving moments, God sees you. And he doesn't just pass by, he stops. I love the idea that Lindy shared of like, yeah, I know God loves everyone, but I know that God loves me. God's not too busy dealing with everyone to stop and pay attention to you. And when he sees you in your hurt, he stops. And he picks you up and he cares for you. He doesn't leave you there abandoned. But he brings you home, and he provides. And he doesn't just, like, make it so that you can get by. Like, this story is, like, God, lavishing. That's what I love about 1 John 3, 1. Like, how great the love, the Father, that we should be called children of God, that he just lavishes love on us. The idea of, like a, sh- like, a shower. It's not just sprinkles. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. God loves in an unending, overwhelming way. And if you have hurt around dad, he wants, God wants you to know so deeply that he sees you and he cares for you and he will provide for you. So much compassion in this passage, it's, it almost sounds like royalty, right? Like I'm going to put a crown on your head. And that's actually key to your identity in Christ. That if you're in Christ, if you've put your faith in him, and received what God has done for you. You become a son or daughter of the king. You're actually spiritually royalty. He puts a crown on your head, and he says, I love my princess. I love my prince, my son, and my daughter. I just love you. And I love how this passage is this vivid picture of God covering over shame. And you're, you're just exposed and I'm going to cover over that. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not, going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make that more known. right? I'm not going to press that out of you. A lot of people will take advantage of you in that situation. And God says, I'm going to cover that. I'm going to take care of you. I see you. And my love for you is intense. If you have a painful dad story, and you have a hard time with the concept of God as father, That I want you this morning to let this passage speak the heart of God for you. And not everyone has a painful dad story. And that's good. I'm so glad for that. Like, I'm so grateful for my own story. Though I don't have a perfect dad, right? Because none of us do. I have a really good dad. That's part of my story. And I don't have to hang my head in shame saying, I don't have that kind of story. I get to be grateful. that I don't get to be calloused toward others. I don't get to be dismissive. But it doesn't mean that my story isn't good and worthy, too. The love of God blows my dad's love away, right? Even those of us who have really good dads, the love of God blows that love away. So here's the second passage that came to my mind, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Jesus is talking about how we approach God, right? And so Michael said last week, if you want to see the Father, like Jesus is constantly revealing the Father. It's like that's what he came for. He wants to shine light on the heart of God. And God's been misrepresented by people who say they know him and don't really know him. And Jesus comes and he says, I want you to know what God is like. I, I want you to know the Father. And Jesus says, people saying, how do we approach God? He says, keep on asking. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open.'" And then this is is what I love. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? I'm hungry. Here, chew on this. (laughs) What a jerk, right? He's like, you might be tempted. You're not actually going to do that, okay? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? I'm hungry. Well, here's poison instead. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? It's like, how do we approach God? He says, ask, ask. Not like just a cosmic vending machine, right? Like I'm going to plug a quarter in and then you give me stuff. And it's not really a relationship. You don't have a relationship with a vending machine. Or if you do, that's super unhealthy, okay? (laughs) God is saying, come, come to me. Come and ask for what you need. Come and ask for what you need because I want to give you what you need. If what you think you need is a super fast red sports car, God might say, yeah, let's, get, let's get behind that. What do you really need? What do you really need? And he might still give you the super fast red sports car, but he wants to get to the heart. He wants to get behind the matter of things so that you can relate together, because he has so much good for you. Because a car might actually mask what's deeper, right? We do that with stuff. We think stuff will will make us feel better. And it does for like the half a second when we're pressing, like, go. And then there's a thing called buyer's remorse, right? Like, Oh, did I get the right thing, or it's not? It's not making me happy. I need to go to the next thing. And God's saying, I, like, come to the source. Come to the source. My love for you is extravagant. And, he, and I, love, I love the way he talks about parents. That you know how to give gifts to your kids. You love giving good things to your kids. And, and yet, you all struggle with sin. And when Jesus is talking about that, he's not talking about our Identity like our standing with God, like uh, when we face God at the end of our life, and we have to like, give an account for what we did in this life, he's not talking about, have you been made perfect by the love and blood of Christ? Like I received Jesus, so when you look at me, now you see a, a perfect kid. That's, that's like my standing with God, right? What Jesus is talking about is like the day-to-day walking around. Because the reality is, in Christ, fundamentally, we're saints, not sinners, right? We're not just beggars in the kingdom. We're daughters and we're sons of the king. Our identity changes. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. We fundamentally change. And yet, there's still a struggle, Right? John, in 1 John, says if anyone he claims he's without sin, he's just a liar. Like, you can't get away from sin in this world. That doesn't mean God's not uh, completely transformed you. He has. And it doesn't mean he can't heal brokenness that happens in sin. But in this life, in this life, you will not completely get away from sin. And that's okay. Like, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient, lest we ever believe that it's because of what I do, like my own good that I generate, my own works that I generate. Right? We're constantly, constantly going to the throne of grace. And again, not as beggars, but recognizing where that love comes from. And we want to tap into that. So he says, if you guys as sinners know how to give good gifts, Can you even imagine, God, your father, who is not wrapped up in sin, who doesn't struggle with sin, who doesn't get cranky with his kids when they say something over and over and over and over and over, not that that happened yesterday in our home. Like God's saying, I don't get tired. I don't get tired of you. You parents know how to give good gifts. How much more? do I as God? And I just love that simple line. How much more? Two very contrasting stories that both reveal the heart of God to you. If you have felt abandoned or if you have felt unloved, if you have felt discarded, even there, God is coming for you. God will not pass you by. God sees you and he covers your shame and he loves you and he brings you in. And if you have felt love, if you have known the love of a dad, how much more does God love you? I love, I love those two different pictures. So we did this, this next thing. We did this about the same time last year where we had uh, a few people come up and read um, what's called God's love letter. The Father's love letter to you. If you go online, if you just Google Father's Love Letter, you can get a really good elevator music version of uh, what we're about to read. Okay? And it's a little bit corny, but the words in it are incredible and rich and deep. And every line, every line of this comes straight from Scripture. And so as I'm gonna invite Paul and Matt to come up and read these, as they read these. I want you to put yourself in a posture to say whether you're, coming from, whether you're coming from a place of abandonment and grief or you're coming from a place of being loved and yet how much more does God love? Open yourself up to hear from the Father this morning. As they read, the words of the letter are going to be up on the screen along with uh, the inspiration from uh, where, they, where they got that in the Bible. You can follow along. If you want the text afterward, come and talk to me. I'd love to give this to you. But whatever posture you need to put yourself in to be able to listen, to be able to hear, if that's eyes open, if that's eyes shut, head down, head up, uh, arms out, whatever posture you need to do to say, God, let me hear you now. Let me hear your heart.
2: I'm going to invite that for you. I'll let these guys read. Is that right? Just briefly, I, w- I wanted to say something about the topic here. Um, my father and I had a very, very painful relationship, um, but because of who lives within me, and and the love that he's shown me, I was able to forgive my dad. Um, the last several months of his life, I spent with him at the nursing home that he lived in, and uh, yeah, we you know the forgiveness was there, and it's all because of who's in me in me. So, all right, so we're gonna do. I'm doing one. You're doing two. All right. So this says, uh, Father's love letter. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me, you live, move, and have your being
0: and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child, and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love.
2: My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want, you, I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you, seek with me, with all, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you these desires. I am able to do more than, for you than you could possibly imagine,
0: for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and I'll take away all the pain that you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. Have I, I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your dad, almighty God.
1: There's this story in Luke 15 where Jesus is uh, talking about God's love for us, about uh, lost things being found. He tells a story about a lost coin and a woman who just searches it and turns the house over so that she finds it and then celebrates when she finds it. And he tells the story of a lost sheep who a shepherd would leave a flock safely where they are and go and look for the one, right, and bring it home, put it on its shoulders and carry it home. And then... Kind of the climax of Luke 15 is this story of a father with two lost sons. One was lost, the older one was lost right there at home, missing the father's love right in his presence. And the other one, the younger one, kind of ran away. And like, I want to do the vending machine thing, give me all the good things, and I'll go do my thing. And then he came back broken and empty, and the dad sees him and runs to him. Like, disgraces himself. And his reputation, and runs to the son, who had broken his heart, you know, by going away, and God, the Father, runs to him, hugs him and embraces him, and in a lot of in a lot of the same language, almost as the passage in Ezekiel says, "I want to put clothes on you and bring a robe on you, and I'm going to put rings on your finger, and I want to kill the fat and calf. I want to celebrate, I want to celebrate because you were you were lost and now you're found, you were dead and now you're alive." John 3.16 is the most famous verse in the entire Bible for a reason, because it speaks to the very core nature of God. For God so loved, for God so loved the world that he gave, God so loved that he gave his son, his most treasured son, for you, for you. Not just for everyone, that's also true, but for you. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that you believe in him. You'll never die. You don't have to be abandoned. You don't have to be discarded. You can actually really live. Have to have eternal life. I don't think Jesus is talking about dying and waking up in heaven. I really don't think that's a full picture of what Jesus is saying. I believe in heaven. I believe when we die, we wake up in a new reality, right? And Jesus actually talks about our resurrection. Like he was the first one to be raised from the dead and he got a new body and it was incredible and it was built for forever. One day we'll rise and we'll have bodies built for forever. But eternity starts now. Your faith in Jesus is not just fire insurance so that when you die, you go to heaven. Your faith in Jesus, what, like the letter says, reconciles you to God who came for you, who pursued you, who wants a relationship with you, wants to love you now, love you now and forever. It starts now. And so this morning if you come and your relationship with your dad is all kinds of messy, or if your relationship with your dad is really, really fantastic, I want, I want to invite you to take that and give that to God. Give that to your Father in Heaven who is crazy about you, and if you've been hurt by your dad, let God love you and let God heal you, and it let God tell you that shouldn't have happened. You are worth way more than the hurt your dad gave. And if you feel full already, give yourself to God again to say, how much more, God? <clears throat> how much more do I need to recognize your love for me? Do I get to bask in that? And so what it, the response that I want today that I want to invite from you. If you brought an object, or if you found one on your phone, or if you drew one, I want you to take that and I want you to look at it and I want you to think about it. And then I want you to offer that to God. I want you to give that to God. Say, God, take my pain. Take my joy. Bring me healing. And blow my mind. I want, I want to know your love more deeply. Whatever you brought this morning, give that to God. Deeply at the core of who you are in the core of where we grow as a church, I want you to know that you are loved and you are sent. That you are loved deeply by God. That he gets to be the one that shapes your identity. Not you and not anything else. He gets to tell you who you are. You are loved by him, and you are sent to love in his name. Once you become the receiver of love, you get to be a giver of love, right? And so if your story this morning is one of brokenness, you get to bask in the love of God. Receive that again, maybe for the first time or again. If your story this morning is full, don't just pass by the loved part. But look again then into the scent. How can God use the way you've been given love to give to others? How can he he help you love others in his name? So that just bubbles up and uh, comes out of you toward others. I want you to bring who you are and offer that to God. And as the worship team comes up, we're going to celebrate communion today. Um going back to this pivotal, like, climax of God's love for us in Jesus dying on the cross. Like, I love you so much that I would die. I, would love, you, I love you so much that I would give my life for you. And we celebrate that when we celebrate communion. There's this two-part response. I want you to, I want you to receive communion as a way of saying, God, thank you. God, I'll never forget. God, thank you. And I want you to take your objects and I want you to hold them and then let them go. I'll invite you, if you actually want to physically come up and put your object up here as a way of like distancing yourself and say, God, "I'm God, I'm going to trust you with it. You can do that. If that's something you just want to let go under your seat or in your mind, however you want to respond to that, do that. Let go and grab on to the love of God that is reaching out for you. Let's pray. God, core to who you are as Father, and a loving Father, a Father who sees us and knows us, who planned us, who knit us together, who has taken great care in making us who we are, and a Father who also sees us in all of our pain, in all of our brokenness, And comes to cover our shame. You didn't, Jesus, you didn't come begrudgingly. You came to find us coming out of your heart. You just, you wanted us home. And I thank you for that. Father, uh, we come with different dad's stories this morning. In who we are, we've come from all different kinds of places. And I pray this morning that you would overwhelm us, overwhelm us with your love. If we're coming from a place of grief and a place of hurt, would you heal? Jesus, would you heal? And if we're coming from a place of being loved, would you give us an imagination of how much more does God love us? We thank you for your deep, deep love. We thank you, and we celebrate you, and we worship you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.